Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So as we start off this morning, I'm going to do something that, that's probably a bit risky for a pastor on a Sunday morning at the start of the message. I'm going to talk about food, oh. all right? I know. 30 minutes. Give me 30 minutes and I'll get you out for lunch, all right? So my favorite food is a cheeseburger. Now, that may surprise some of you considering I eat Mexican food every Sunday afternoon, but considering the options here in Stockdale, right? So, so my favorite food is a cheeseburger, and so a couple of years ago, while we were still living up in Fort Worth, we decided to get Sonic for dinner, and so my wife took our orders down, and, and she drove our orders over to Sonic to go through the drive through so that she could, could bring our meals home to us, and of course, I ordered a Sonic cheeseburger, and when she got home, she had that brown Sonic bag in hand along with the drink carrier. And we sat down at the table and, and she began to pass out the meals to everyone. And I began unwrapping my cheeseburger like it was Christmas morning, right? <laughs> I began to pull back that foil. But as I pulled back that foil, I noticed that my burger looked a little flat. And so I lifted the bun and I discovered that they had forgotten to put the meat in my burger. <laughs> So imagine my disappointment, right? They had left out the most important part because it's not what's on the outside of the burger that makes it the burger. It's what's found on the inside. The meat is the essence of the burger. So we're in the middle of a a four-part series right now titled The Full Life. And each week we're looking at a different passage in the book of John. And, And if you remember, I pulled this title... The full life from John 10.10, the NIV translation of John 10.10. Jesus says in that verse, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the image that we have here with that, with the Greek word that's translated there as full, or or in the CSB it's translated as abundance, the, the image that we have here is that Jesus gives us a life of surplus. Now, it's not a surplus of simply more stuff in this life, right? While, while the stuff in this world, it can fill up our houses, it can fill up our garages, and, and maybe even some extra storage units, right? Stuff in this world, it can, it can fill, fill up our houses, but it doesn't have the power to make our lives full. So Jesus doesn't simply give us a surplus of Stuff Jesus gives, gives us a surplus of something better. Jesus gives us a surplus of himself. Jesus fills our life up with more of himself. It's Jesus that makes our lives full. So let me, let me remind you of our main takeaway that I'm giving you each week. As believers, it's not about what we have on the outside of us that makes our life full. Rather, it's what's found on the inside of us. 
as believers, it's not, it's not about what we have on the outside of us that makes our lives full. Rather, it's what's found on the inside of us. And so if you were to pull the foil back, if you were to pull that wrapper back on your life today, would you see that, that your life is filled with a surplus of Jesus, or would you discover that your life is missing the most important part? As believers, it's not about what we have on the outside of us that makes our life full. It's what's found on the inside of us. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 9 through 17 today. 9 through 17. And as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. As we're walking through this series, each week we're looking at a different word that ends with that suffix full, F-U-L. A couple of weeks ago we looked at the word worshipful. Last week we looked at the word peaceful. And today we're looking at that word joyful. And let me remind you, it's not that having these things in our life make our lives full. Rather, I believe that these things will be present in our lives as a result or as an overflow of the surplus, as an overflow of the fullness that we have already received in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus that makes our lives full, and, and these are just a product, a fruit of Jesus filling up our life. So as we think about that word joyful today, what are some of the images that come to your mind when you think of joy? Maybe you think of happiness or, or laughter. Maybe you think of children standing up on a stage singing songs on a Sunday morning. Certainly that was a, a joyful time for us today. Maybe it's a particular event in your life that you think of. Maybe your wedding day or the birth of a child. We often associate children with that word joy. When a baby is born, we, we call it a bundle of joy. So, so as we think about these different things, these things can, there's certainly signs of joy in our lives, but I would suggest that for the believer, our joy is not rooted in what's going on around us. Our joy is rooted in the one dwelling in us. Our joy is not rooted in what's going on around us. Our joy is rooted in the one dwelling in us. And so this gives us the ability to have joy regardless of our circumstances. This means that, that we can have joy in the good times and in the happy times, but we can also experience joy in the hard times, in those difficult times, and maybe even in the sorrowful times. Regardless of what's going on around us, we can still walk in joy. We can still have a joy-filled life. In Jesus, we can still be joyful. So let's read our passage now, John 15, verses 9 through 17. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved, loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask, the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. So as we look at this passage today, I want to begin by highlighting what Jesus said there in verse 11. He said, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Now, the CSB that I'm reading, for, reading from, the CSB translates that Greek word as complete, but other translations like the King James Version, it translates that word as, as full, and really, both are accurate translations because the, the best translation would be to say completely full, that your life, that your joy may be completely full. So, so we've all heard the scenario where, where a cup is filled to the halfway mark, and the pessimist says that the cup is half empty, and the optimist says that the cup is half full. You may have heard that the engineer will say that the cup was constructed two sizes too big. And the IT helpline will, will ask if you've tried emptying the cup out and refilling it to see if that fixes the problem. But the Baptist pastor will look at the cup and say, we're going to need more water than that to fill the baptistry. <laughs> so there may always be a debate about how much water is in the cup if it's only filled to the halfway mark. But there is no debate here in what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says, so that your joy may be complete or so that your joy may be full, the image is of a cup being filled with water all the way up to the brim, even to the point that it is overflowing. So if we're going to walk with this joyful life, if we're going to walk in this joy-filled life, then there's a few things that I want you to walk away with today about joy. There, there are three specific truths that I want you to grab hold of in this passage today. First, there is joy in remaining in his love. There is joy in remaining in his love. What does verse 9 say again? As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. So as Jesus talks to the disciples about his love for them, he compares his love to the Father's love for him, reminding them that his love is perfect, his love is pure, his love is endless, his love is unchanging and unstoppable. That's his love for the disciples, that's his love for you and me. So I want you to hear this today. You are loved you are loved. It, it sounds so simple for us to say that, but I think it's important for you to hear this because some studies have been done that have shown that a staggering 60% of people in this world feel unloved. 60% of people in this world feel unloved. That means that in a world filled with 7.7 .7 billion people, 4.6 billion people in this world struggle with those feelings of being unloved. And so hear me again today. If you're here today and you feel unloved, I want you to know you are loved. You are loved. And you aren't just loved by anybody. You are loved by the very one that created you. How do I know this? 
because of Jesus, right? In fact, Romans 5.8 tells us that Jesus is the proof of God's love for us because it's while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. It's while we were still in our imperfection, while we were still in our desperation, while we were still in our most unlovable state, that Jesus went to the cross dying for your sins and for mine, showing us just how far his love extends. So hear me once again, you are loved. And so Jesus tells the disciples here to remain in his love. Now, if you go back to the beginning of chapter 15, this is where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. And he's talking about the importance of staying connected to him, remaining in him, remaining connected to him as the source of life. Now, as we think about the many different attributes of Jesus, there, there are so many, right? Jesus is filled with love. Jesus is filled with power. Jesus is filled with truth, with wisdom, his attributes are endless. But the attribute that Jesus specifically highlights here, after he has said, remain in me, now he specifically says, remain in my love. Now, why does he say this? Because he knew what the disciples were about to experience. He knew, knew what the disciples were about to face in this life. If you jump down to verses 18 through 25, Jesus begins to talk about the persecutions that disciples were going to face in this world. He, he begins to talk about the hatred that the disciples were going to face in this world. And it wasn't going to be, they weren't going to be hated because of anything that they had done wrong. They weren't going to be hated because of anyone that they had hurt. They were simply going to be hated for their association with Jesus Christ. And so recognizing the hatred that they were about to experience in the world, Jesus says, remain in my love. Because here's the deal, the love that they would experience in the Lord was far greater than the hatred that they would experience in the world. The love that they would experience in the Lord was far greater than the hatred that they would experience in the world. And so just as Jesus spoke those words to the disciples at that time, remain in my love, I want you to hear him speak those words directly to you today. Remain in my love. So in less than a month, I'm going to turn 40 years old. I was born in 1981, so 40 years ago in 1981, it was still widely accepted to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ in this country. In fact, it wasn't just accepted, it was more so expected that you were going to be a follower of Christ in this country, that you were going to be a Christian. But over the last 40 years, our culture has changed and it is continuing to change. More and more, it is becoming less acceptable to be a follower of Christ in this world. But even beyond that, it is becoming expected that you will accept the things of the world over the truth of God's word. And because of that, the level of hatred for those that are willing to follow Christ, the level of hatred for those that are willing to stand on the truth of God's word, the level of hatred in this world is growing. And so hear Jesus say those words to you once again, remain in my love. When the world hates you, 
remain in his love. When the world persecutes you, remain in his love. In the darkest of times that we might face, remain in his love. Because the love that you can experience in him is far greater than the hatred that you will experience in this world. And our joy is not rooted in what's going on around us. Our joy is rooted in the one dwelling in us. And so even when we are persecuted, when we remain in his love, we can still walk in joy. Our lives can still be joyful. So there's joy in remaining in his love. Second, there is joy in keeping his commands. What does verse 10 say again? If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So back in 1955, Frank Sinatra debuted a song titled Love and Marriage. Some of y'all know that song, right? So the lyrics say, love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. All right, that song's going to be stuck in your head now. You're welcome. All right. So he presents this, this rather true premise here that without a horse, a carriage is useless. Without a horse, the carriage has no place to go. Likewise, likewise, marriage gives our love a place to go. Marriage gives our love momentum. It moves our love forward. So when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, obedience gives our love a place to go. Obedience moves our love forward. Obedience gives our love momentum. And so when it comes to our relationship with God, love and obedience go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other because the truth is without our obedience, our love is useless. So when Sarah and I were dating, the song that we called our own, we still call this our song, it's, it's not love and marriage, it was when you say nothing at all. And so the song says, you say it best when you say nothing at all. It, it's the idea that our love is not proved by our words, but our, our love is proved by our actions, that, that our actions have the ability to actually communicate more clearly our love for one another, even more so than those words, I love you. So children, if you want to tell your mom you love her today without saying those words, obey her. If you want to tell your dad you love him today without saying those words, obey him. Now, you can still say those words, right? But but your obedience is going to communicate to your parents more clearly your love for them than even those words will. Likewise, believer, if you want to clearly communicate your love for the Lord today, walk in obedience to him. Keep his commands. We can say we love God all we want, but it's our obedience that moves our love forward. It's our obedience that gives our love momentum. And I believe that if we truly love the Lord, if we truly love the God we serve, we won't see walking in obedience or keeping his commands 
as a burden, we will see it as a blessing because there is joy in, in knowing that we are pleasing someone that we love. So when Sarah and I first got married, I hated doing the laundry, right? I hated doing the laundry. Some of you may still hate doing the laundry, right? I hated doing the laundry because I saw it as, simply as a chore. I saw it as a burden. But after a few years of marriage, something began to shift in my own heart, and I began to see doing the laundry as an opportunity to serve my wife, as an opportunity to love my wife. And so I began to take on that responsibility of doing the laundry for the family. When, when we lived up in Fort Worth, every Friday on my day off, I did the laundry for the whole family so that I could show my love to my family, so that I could show my love to my wife. And, and so through the years, as I've began to serve my family in that way, as I've recognized that it pleases my wife for, for me to do the laundry, as it, as it pleases my family for me to do the laundry, I no longer see it as a burden, but I see it as a blessing. It actually brings me great joy to, the, to do the laundry. If Sarah tries to do the laundry, I'm like, what are you doing? That's, that's my way to show you that I love you. So don't see walking in obedience to the Lord as a burden. See it as a blessing because when you love someone, you want to please them and there is great joy in knowing that our obedience is pleasing to the Lord. Now, as we think about walking in obedience to the Lord, Jesus gives a specific command to obey here in verse 12 and in verse 17. He said, love one another. And it's important to note that when Jesus says love one another here, he is specifically talking about the disciples' relationship with one another. He's talking about disciples loving disciples. He actually introduces this command in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, love one another. It's followers of Christ loving followers of Christ. Now, this isn't to say that, that they aren't supposed to still love their enemies or, or love unbelievers. We see other passages that give that command, but Jesus specifically commands us to, to love one another. And, it, and he tells them in, in John 13, 35, that when you love one another, it communicates to the world that you are my disciples. And so our obedience and our love for one another, it communicates both to the Lord that we love him, but it also communicates something to the world as well, that we are his disciples. And, and what great joy there is in walking in obedience to the Lord and loving one another. So there's joy in remaining in his love. There's joy in keeping his commands. Finally, this morning, there is joy in walking in a relationship with him. There is joy in walking in a relationship with him. So in verses 14 through 16, Jesus describes his relationship with the disciples. And in verse 15, he says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. And so Jesus begins to describe this deeper, more intimate relationship that he has with his disciples. He doesn't just call his disciples servants, he calls them friends. Now, just because Jesus doesn't call his disciples servants doesn't mean he's not still 
their master. He is absolutely still their master. So I've shared in the past about my time working at the movie theater in Rockport, Texas when I was a senior in high school. And I specifically shared the story about how I made a giant mess uh, taking one of the films apart. Uh, and luckily, my manager, Troy, showed up onto the scene to bail me out, to, to clean that mess up. Now, Troy and I, we, we really only worked together for a short period of time. He was my manager. He was my boss. But in that short period of time, he became more than just my manager. He became more than just my boss. He became my friend, a good friend of mine. In fact, he was one of the first people that I called to ask to be one of the groomsmen in, in our wedding whenever we got married. And so he was still my boss when we worked together, but he was also something deeper than that. He was, he was my friend. And so Jesus, Jesus says he calls us his friend. When we follow him, when we are his disciples, he calls us his friend. Now, if he is the Lord of your life, he is still your master, right? That's what that word Lord means, that we are walking in submission to him, that we are, we are still serving him, but we are more than just servants. We are his friends. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we use that word friend haphazardly in our world today, especially because of social media, right? How do we connect with people on Facebook? We become their friends, right? But, but I have some friends that, that I've never even met before. So last week, I went to a leadership conference with our deacons and their wives, and the two guest speakers that were there... I've been friends with on Facebook for quite some time, but last weekend was the first time that I had ever actually met either one of them in person. And so I think sometimes we, we throw that word friend around. But listen, Jesus doesn't use that word friend haphazardly. Everyone that he knows, everyone that he calls friend, he knows. Everyone that he calls friend, he loves. He uses that term not haphazardly, but he uses that term intentionally. And so there's this, this joy in knowing that, that yes, we serve him. Yes, he's our master, but we also have a deeper relationship with him. There is joy in this intimate relationship that he desires to have one of us, uh, that he desires to have with us. We're not just his servants. We are his friends. And so let me just pause right here as we get ready to close this morning and ask, do you have that relationship with the Lord this morning? Do you know the Lord as your master? Do you know the Lord as your savior? And do you know the Lord as your friend? Do you have that relationship with the Lord this morning? And, and if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, but you're ready to have that relationship with him, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond. And so in just a moment, Becky's going to come and lead us in, in one uh, final song this morning. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say you don't have that relationship with the Lord, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never allowed Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but today you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again. And you are ready to submit to him as the Lord of your life. You're ready to enter into that friend relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, if you're ready to give your life to Christ, then I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. 
Step out of your seat as we sing. Come and join me down here. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day that you experience a joy unlike any other in Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but maybe, maybe you recognize you have not been walking in obedience to the Lord. You have not been keeping his commands and you just need to deal with the Lord right where you're at. You can do that right where you're at today, but if you need someone to pray with you, I'd be happy to do that. Maybe you're here today and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that next step of baptism to publicly profess Jesus as Lord through baptism. Listen, God calls all of us as believers to take that step. And as we think about obedience to the Lord, if we're going to walk in obedience to him, that first step as a believer is to publicly profess him through baptism because that's what he's called us to do. And so if you need to make that decision today, I would invite you to come. Let's talk. Let's pray. We can make that commitment together. Finally, you might be here today and and maybe you've been visiting First Baptist Stockdale and you know that God's calling you to to make this your church home. You've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized and you know that God wants you to connect your life with this church body as we are on mission together, as we are seeking to walk in this full life together. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.